Um, I love the Hill family. They're just incredible people. And uh, Jeremiah's getting so big. Got a little bit of ring there. You turned me down a little bit hot. Uh, man, you guys doing all right this morning? You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. And uh, just remind you guys, uh, God's in a very good mood this morning. He's always in a good mood. He's incredibly faithful. He's over, overly invested into us. Um, he's, he's just all in. Um, this morning, I, I um, do want to dismiss the True Fire Junior kids. Our True Fire class is actually not available this morning. Uh, we, need, we needed uh, some more help. Uh, just some, some key leaders were out of town. So our, but the True Fire Junior uh, preschool and kindergartner are dismissed for downstairs. And... Uh, you can meet my meet your teacher out in out in the out in the lobby area. Yeah, God's God is God is he's just he's incredible. He's been he is he's been so faithful in the last two thousand years. He's still faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. And uh, you know, you look around look around at our our family here. Uh, the only reason why you're on the planet is because uh, God, God is committed to you. He's committed to, to seeing you in eternity. Uh, every single person you see on the planet, at the gas station, the waitress, your boss, mean or nice, that's his plan. That's his plan. He, he is never, uh, he's not mad at people right now. He took all that out on his son, Jesus. It says in Isaiah that it, Please the Father to crush his son, Jesus, because he knew that by the death of his beloved son, he would have more children, sons and daughters of God. I want to read to you a little story. Uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, planting and harvesting, and you can put up that first image, Jody, of just of the, of the land there. Let me read you a little story. In sub-Saharan Africa, a total of 12 months of rain Rainfall occurs in only four months. From May through August, the ground absorbs the rain and the seeds that have been planted. October and November months are filled with celebration, with singing and dancing. And the season of harvest arrives and everyone enjoys two meals a day. In December, grain begins to run low, so many families skip breakfast to conserve food. And when the new year, January, comes, it does not bring new hope. The size of one meal grows smaller, and by the time March rolls around, many children are sick. An Assembly of God missionary shares the inevitable story of a young boy who runs into, the, into his home, and he screams, Daddy, you're not going to believe what I found. I found a bag of seed, a bag of grain. Hurry, grab Mommy so she can make dinner tonight, and our tummies can be full. I can just imagine the father looking his son in the eyes, saying, We can't do that. That's next year's seed grain. It's the only thing between us and starvation. In May, the rains finally arrive, and the young boy will watch his father dip his hand in the bag of grain and walk up and down the dirt, and slowly but surely plant the seed. The most precious commodity the father and the entire village has is thrown into the dirt. Why? Because he wants his family healthy, growing. He believes in the finished work of the seed. He believes in the harvest. God is committed to your progress. Uh, he's unbelievably committed. As, and I, I want to I wanna share with you this concept of planting and harvesting. Um, uh, what, what 
um, Paul has encouraged the Galatians to do, to plant, to harvest, to sow, to reap. But God wants us to be in the field more than we want to be in the field. And he is committed to seeing us come to the complete work of what Jesus paid for. Jesus paid for so much, and he's going to redeem all of it if we stay committed to him. And so I just want to, I want to if there's one thing I want to just plant a seed prophetically into your life is that God is committed to your progress, absolutely committed. And I, I, want, to, I want to break that down. Philippians 1, 6 says this. We know this verse, but just, just hear this with new ears. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's committed to you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There's a lot of things that he planned for us to do, but things were interrupted with the fall. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the things that he asked us to do originally in the garden and how he's restored that, that um, commission to live our life as if the fall never happened. And so we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. He is so committed to your progress. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. And then after that, we're going to talk about how we're supposed to plant good seed. Uh, some, some, so many times, when I, I, this morning I'm going to talk about harvesting. And a lot of times when we talk about harvesting in the church, we're talking about like the reaping of souls, the reaping of lost souls. And um, this message isn't necessarily a gospel message as much as it is about uh, t- talking directly to Christians and harvest referring to the finished work of Christ. So Christ, if you look at your life 10 years ago, you, you know, or 15 years ago, whenever you came to know Jesus, you should look different than you did on that day. You should be maturing. And when you stand before God face to face, the harvest, the full complete work of God will be done. And so that's what this message is about. I want, I want you to see into God's heart who he is, what kind of father that we serve. You know, the enemy is constantly trying to get us to, to, to cloud that in our minds. Because if the enemy can get us to cloud that he's, he's not really good and he's not really for us, then we'll constantly deal with doubt and unbelief. But this morning, I just want to share him. I want to share his heart. And I, and I pray that after you see him, you'll, you'll be encouraged to plant seed. It won't be about try not to sin. It'll be about, okay, you're for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you. I'm going to co-labor with Christ so in order to plant and harvest, in order to plant and harvest well, you have to settle in your heart that God is good and he's committed to your progress. So Galatians chapter 6, you can turn there. Uh, I know everyone has their preferred Bible uh, translation. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation a lot today. But in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says this. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. So again, we have to settle this in our heart. God is good, and He's committed to your progress. This is the type of Father, the type of God that we serve. The reason why we know that he is good and that he is, he is he's committed to your progress is if you just look at the big God story. The big God story is that his love is absolutely reckless for his children. It, it doesn't even make sense. See, I was utterly dead in my sins, my shame and my guilt. You know, if you could take the most shameful thing I'd ever done and plastered it up on the screen, how much shame and guilt 
would be, I would just relive that in a second. But it's in that moment that he offers me life. See, the, the Christian life isn't about, um, it's not about, you know, add Christ to your life and then get cleaned up. It's that you're completely dead and he needs to make you completely alive. There's no, there's no improving death. It's either you're alive or you're dead. And so that's the, the gospel message is, it's at my worst that he actually offered me life, chose me to be his son. So he's committed to my progress because his love is reckless. It makes sense that God would commit himself to me if I were put together and always obeyed him. You know, imagine like a, uh, someone who saved up a million dollars and is like, I'm going to buy this mansion I've been waiting for and you can put up that. So this is like the mansion. You save up, and that's not going to be a million dollars. It's going to be a multi-million dollar home. And so you're like, I want this home. It makes sense that God would be committed to me if I look like that. But the reality is I look like this. That's funny, isn't it? The thing is, is that, is that it doesn't make sense that he, he, pref- he, not that he prefers me, but that he chose me when I look like this. In Romans 5.8 it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't make sense that he pursued me at my worst. He's committed to your progress. So all the way back, he was committed by his investment. He took a million dollars Millions and billions, and we can't even, you can't put a price tag on what he did, but millions and millions of dollars, and he invested it into the shack. He's committed to our progress. So if Jesus reached out to me while I was dead, made this huge investment, how much more does he want to do life with me now that I'm alive? Why would, why would he sign off, sign the papers, you know, $10 million for that shack, and then says, you know what, I, I, it's a shack, look at it, it's pathetic, and then hands off. I think so many times we think that God is like that for us. We're okay with him offering salvation to us, like, hey, I want you to give you a new life. You we're living this way, you did feel terrible, but now I want to offer you a new life, and that you're after my kingdom now. We get, in, we get into the faith, and then as soon as we mess up, we're like, oh man, God must be mad at me. That's why I got cancer, or that's why my son died, or that's why this or that. We come up with a million different reasons as if God's trying to teach us a lesson because bad things are happiness, happening to us in our life. If he was committed to us at our worst, why wouldn't he be committed to us when he now sees his son Jesus in us? He's totally committed to your progress. Jesus, he's praying to his father in John chapter 17, verse 3. He's saying, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one sent to earth. Referring to himself in the third person, he's saying, this is redefined eternal life, to know the Father, to know the Son. It's interesting how, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, a lot of religions are, God created the world and backed off, now do your best to act right until judgment day and then the scale. If you did more good, then you're in. If you did more bad, then you're out. That was kind of the, but, but Jesus centers it around knowing God. So it's not, that, it's not that he's like distant and unknowable. He refers to Christians oftentimes in the Bible as his friends. Read that this morning. I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. He talks about how we're sons and daughters of God. 
Paul, Paul talks about it, and Jesus alludes to it, talks about the church being the bride of Christ. So you got a bride, you have friends, you have sons and daughters, so you have all these terms of endearment. It just, just shows you that God wants to be involved on a personal level. I've heard it said that, you know, the Bible doesn't teach personal uh, salvation. It's, it's just, you know, you got to get your, you got to repent and then you got to just live right. You know, do your best, you know. And it's, it's just not God's heart. God's, Jesus said, I want to know you. You know, I, I, I know President Trump and I know Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, but I don't know them personally. Does that make sense? And, and it seems, you know, obviously, in, in some regard, elementary, but Jesus defined everything on that. It's either we know him or we don't know him. And it's personal. It's, it's a real relationship. He's committed to your progress. Why, why does God want to be so involved in our lives? What's, what, what, why is that? It's the same reason why he created Adam and Eve. He wanted us to experience his love and give us purpose, and value for living. See, in the garden, he gave a command to Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve, their, their, their mission, their assignment, you know. Um, the enemy was on the planet, the accuser. He was on the planet, and they were given a garden to manage well. And the goal was... Um, the goal is basically that they would they would um, manage the garden so well the garden would keep expanding, pushing back the enemy, pushing back his domain. And so when, when, you, have, when you have Adam and Eve doing what God wants them to do, the, the first command God gave Adam and Eve was um, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's, uh, it's not if, um, be fruitful and multiply, um, do something with your life. That's the, that's the, that's the key, that's the key um, uh, word we're gonna be talking about is be fruitful. You're, you're, we were meant to bear fruit and multiply, have lots of kids, fill the earth, you know, grow, grow it, and subdue it. Subdue, it's a militant term referring to, uh, it, it's like a take rulership of it, own it, um, take dominion of it. And why? Because when they fill the earth, then in essence, um, God God is, uh, how, do you, how do you say that? God is taking dominion over the world. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't have a, uh, a, prior to the fall, they were in perfect relationship with God. They didn't have issues. There was no disconnect. After the fall, there was disconnect. That mission was removed. It was handed over to the enemy. And the enemy now had rights to us. He who sins is a slave to sin. And so Jesus came basically to get that mission, that, that identity, that purpose back to us. Uh, he wants us to get back to the original plans, to bear fruit and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. An apple tree produces apples. <laughs> A cow produces milk. Humans were meant to produce fruit, spiritual fruit. When you see fruit, uh, it means a spirit alive and well within you, and it brings incredible glory to God. I, I can't really explain the why or the how. It's just what Jesus said. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you don't, you can't bear fruit. 
Apples were apples grow on an apple tree. Milk comes from a cow. The fruit of the spirit was literally supposed to be growing off of us. Apples don't appear overnight. Milk milk doesn't isn't produced overnight in in the sense of instantly. As soon as you milk, you can get more. It takes time. It's a process. And so, you know, Jesus touched on this this idea. He said if a fig tree, you know, if if Jesus didn't say these, but this, these are the illustrations he used. You know, if a fig tree stopped producing figs, it might as well be cursed. That makes sense. He says if, if a field, he shared a parable, if a field doesn't produce, it might as well be burned down. Well, give it one more year. Okay, I'll give it one more year, but if it's not producing, I'm going to burn it down. And he says if saltiness doesn't give you a salty flavor, why, why would you need salt? Humans were designed to bear fruit. In Galatians 5.22, it says, the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to, the, to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And going back to our text, the first part of the verse, verse 8 in Galatians 6, 8, it says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. In Galatians the chapter right before this passage, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Well, thanks for throwing that on the end. And other sins like these, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's a lot of, a lot of things. Um, so basically what Paul is just trying to say is, if these things are manifesting in your life, um, the, humans, the, the human tree that we are is bearing a fruit that the Spirit's not producing. And if you plant seeds like this, this these are the results you're going to get. It's not, I, I wouldn't say it's a shame-guilt thing. I think this has a lot more to do with um, be aware of, uh, test, test yourself constantly. Um, don't, don't think you're, you're in the faith, you made a prayer one time, and now you're, you're good to go. Um, I, I don't want to lean to the complete opposite side, too, that says, you know, you're saved one day, you're not saved the next day. You're, it's, it's not that. It's that constantly examine your fruit. You know, ask, ask your loved one to examine your fruit and just say, you know, what do you see in me? Like, what, where, what are my blind spots? You know, am I, am I, you know, how's, you know, I just, I just love my wife. She's so good at helping me see, see who I am from a different perspective. You know, it's so easy to just be like, get into this mode of like, you know, I, I, I've taken care of that one. I've taken care of this issue. I've taken care of this issue. And it's, and it's, it's easy for blind spots to appear. And she helps me see, okay, you're doing great in this area. What about this specific issue? Let's work on that. And it's not a, she's not judging me at all. I invite it. 
you know, she, um, she is literally God's helper to me to, to, um, to keep growing. God is so committed to your growth. So we see kind of some of those issues of the sinful nature. Um, those are, to me, it seems like they're obvious. Maybe to some people they're not. They're obvious that they're wrong. Um, see, God is completely for us. He, he wants to produce in us a good fruit. He wants us to keep growing. He's, he's overly committed to us. He's, he's, if I can use the word or the phrase, he bankrupt heaven. You know, he spent all he had on us because he's committed to the process. So if he's for me, then I should think differently. I should think, well, if he's for me, then I'm gonna start planting good seed. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be um, settling this in my heart every day, like, is God good today? I don't know. Bad things are happening all around me. You know, sometimes we treat God that way, though. We, we act like he is the most like, bipolar person uh, that we're following. He's, he's, he doesn't, he's so... He knows who he is. He's so confident in who he is. And, and he doesn't change. You know, uh, if, if a, thousand, uh, a thousand years is like a day to God, imagine how long it would take for him to, quote unquote, change. You know, one day. Uh, and he doesn't change. He's, he's constant and he's consistent. And, um, you know, what we read this morning about how he's, you know, uh, slow to anger, abounding in love. Uh, he is completely for us. Who can be against us? You know, these, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. That's the type of God that we serve. So instead of wallowing in the shame and the guilt when I, when I mess up, and I do mess up weekly, sometimes daily, but I say, God, you're so good. Help me, help me to commit myself. I'm gonna plant good seeds this week with your help. So Galatians 6.8, this is what the alternative to it says, and this is where God wants us to go. Galatians 6, 8, the second part of that says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. My, my focus as a young Christian was basically uh, live my life, Try not to sin, get to heaven, enjoy the king. Now I'm realizing that the focus is enjoy the king, live my life, and, and bring his kingdom here now. He, he, wants, he wants heaven to come to earth. That's why he told his disciples. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, may your kingdom, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth exactly as it is in heaven. That's his heart for us, is that heaven comes to earth now. So the focus isn't, you know, try really hard not to mess up, die, get to heaven, and, and cross your fingers hoping that you're not going to be judged. The focus is, Jesus, I want to enjoy you now on the planet. The, the, you know, it's, it's time for work right now. It's time to be in the fields right now. In our own lives, in the, in the sense of, sowing good seed into our spiritual lives, but also in the sense of being in the fields that Jesus talked about often. The fields are ripe for harvest. Those who don't know him. By the way, uh, I, you know, this morning when you're talking about the waitress, the, everyone, every, every person that you can imagine uh, was only created uh, because God wants them for eternity. That's the only reason why they were created. There is not one person who is an accident. I don't care if you have a disease. I don't care if every single person on the planet was designed for 
greatness with God, eternity with God. That's how good God is. He loves every single person. The only reason why people act out is because we just, we don't know who we are. And so a lot of the stuff that comes out is just selfishness. It's just us trying to survive, trying to keep face, trying to act like we got it all figured out. But if Holy Spirit comes and, and the king's domain takes over that same person, oh man, it's, it's amazing. They'll give you the shirt off their back. They'll serve, they'll love, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes because that's who he is. That's the king. I want to enjoy the king and his kingdom now. I don't want to have to wait 80, 90, 100 years before I enjoy him. I want to enjoy him right now. So how do we plant good seed? This is kind of what we, we wrap up with. How do we plant good seed? You know, it's easy to talk about. Um, how do we do it? First, first thing is you have to realize. Yeah, first of all, you have to ask for grace. It's, it's humility. The, let, me, let me say it. The first thing you have to do is you have to ask for humility. You have to say, God, I need humility in my life, and, and I want to partner with your plans. Humbling yourself, you have to do this in salvation as well. You have to say, I was thinking one way, and I was doing life one way, and I, was, I thought I was right. Repentance is, is literally God convicting your heart and, and helping you change the way that you think. You literally used to think, my way is right. If I do this, it leads to this. If I do this, it leads to this. And you're trying to become great all in your own strength. Repentance is like, wow, that's, that's not, your thoughts are better than my thoughts. Your plans are greater than my plans. And so I'm going to follow the way that you do life. I'm going to pursue the things that interest you. I'm going to make my plans circle, circle them around you. My convictions will now be your convictions. Everything, everything about you I want it in me. Repentance, it's just, it's, it's humbling yourself. It's saying, God, uh, your way is right. My way is not. And when we do that, what's amazing is God doesn't say, yep, you're right. What God says is, now we can finally partner together. That's the type of father that we have. He's, he's, he's a God that loves to partner, to co-labor with us. He's not like this God who, who's... The, the, the times you find him at the front is the times when there's danger and there's struggle and there's, and there's a, lot of, a lot of dangerous, a lot of uh, pain. He's leading because he wants you to follow him. But oftentimes he's like a good shepherd that leads from behind, making sure no one gets left behind, making sure that we're growing, that we're making wise decisions, that we're, we're trusting in God. He wants us to partner and come into agreement with heaven. We have to realize I've been calling the shots, and the, and the reality is that I'm, I'm dry ground. If, if the king is not in there, I'm, I'm cracked ground. I'm just dry ground. There's no life that can happen. When he's in there, possibilities are endless. You can, <laughs> you can do anything. How do, you, how do you plant good seeds? So many times we want a, a step, okay, uh, which leads me to my, the next thing that we do. First thing, if you want to plant good seed, you have to humble yourself. You, ha- you have to verbalize it, if you can. I mean, if you can't, God knows our hearts, but verbalize it and just say, God, I am wrong. You are right. Help me want what you want. It's, it's humility. It's the same thing we do at repentance when we come to know Christ. It's, you're right. The second thing that you have to do is you have to remain in Christ, right? It's okay, so now we can go home. <laughs> we know the right answer. How you plant good seed, you remain in Christ, 
Again, when people act out, we say things like, you know, if you didn't do drugs and alcohol, you wouldn't have this financial need. It's like, well, thanks for pointing out the obvious. You know, it's like, that, but that's how a lot of times we treat sin. It's like, well, if you weren't doing this, then you wouldn't be doing this. It's like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. I appreciate that. That doesn't help me. And uh, a lot of times we're guilty of that. See, we try to fix the behavior and not the, the heart issue. We try to, you know, try to, get, try to get our kids to act a certain way so they, you know, they, you know, it, it's, uh, it's so backwards. And, and we're going to talk about that. See, the, the root issue is not a behavioral problem. The root issue is a beholding problem. What you're beholding often determines, um, or the things that, the, the things that, start manifesting in your life, the, thing, the fruit that comes often is a reflection of what you're beholding. Remaining in Christ. See, when we behold him, we become like him. Um, God, is a, God is a person, and he, he, when he uh, healed someone, one time he said, um, the Pharisees were accusing him of casting out demons using the power of demons. And Jesus said, if it is, uh, he basically says, if it is by the power of God that I cast out this demon, then the, then the kingdom of God has come. If it is by the power of God that this man is set free, then the kingdom of God is among you. How, how do you get scholars of the Bible, people that were looking for the Messiah. They were ready to just dub the next person the Messiah. They wanted the Messiah to come. How do you get those types of people to not recognize that the kingdom was present in the room, but they couldn't see it? That's pretty, it sounds pretty mystical, and it seems kind of like, what? I'm not following. The people who were set up, that the remnant, they were set up to, to find uh, the Messiah, Missed the Messiah. They, they were unaware of that realm. They were unaware of what God's heart was. And I, and I, and I want to ask you and I this morning, you know, um, are you aware of that other realm? We put a lot of weight in the things we can put our hands on, put in our mouth and taste, smell, see, touch. We put a lot of weight into the natural. We don't put a lot of weight into anything we can't see. Touch, taste, smell, etc. Jesus always said this to the crowds. If you have ears to hear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I mean, how, how that, that could be a very offensive statement. I think every the majority of us have ears in this place. But people in those crowds still missed it. They still missed, they didn't understand God wants us to be aware of him. And I guess what I'm going with this is sometimes we, you know, remaining in Christ, what, what, we, what we make it look like is we set up a, you know, we, we write down on a piece of paper, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get up in the morning, 5 a.m., we're going to spend 30 minutes praying in the Spirit. After that, we're going to spend 30 minutes in the Bible. After that, we're going to spend um, one hour sharing our faith on the street. And after that, then we'll, you know, get to the lesser of what God wants us to do. 
It's so systematic, and, and the system works when your heart's pure, but systems don't sustain themselves. It, your, your, your heart has to be so, it has to be healthy to be able to do that. But what I'm saying is, is that God doesn't just want you to go out and um, evangelize the lost. He doesn't just want you to go out and heal people. He really does want you to vacuum. He really does want you to feed your child. He, he prefers at times that you dust. You know, it's, it's not this, it's not, he, he's a God that wants to lead us in life. He's not a God that's saying, do all of these spiritual things and just ignore everything that's natural. If you were preaching, man, you would be on fire for God. You'd be in the will of God. But if you're, if you're not preaching, if you're not sharing your faith, then you're not in the will of God. Now, I want to be careful in saying this. It's not a license to be lazy and not pursue spiritual things, spiritual commissions. But don't, don't um, do, we, we have to make sure that we're not taking away from what God wants to do with us in just the normal day life. He wants, he's committed to our progress. He wants us to grow. He wants us to plant seeds. And sometimes you planting a seed literally is just you changing the diaper. Men. <laughs> right? All the ladies say amen. Or, or ladies. I mean, you know, to each his own. I mean, some people just can't handle it. Whatever. But, but my point is, is that God, God can be fully honored and fully... He can, he, you can be planting good seeds in your life by doing natural things. It's, it's, not, it's not this, if you're not doing like sharing a prophetic word or sharing this, you're not planting seed. That's not it at all. What are you, what are you planting in, in the ground so that you want to see become greater? And, and that's one of the issues that, or that's one of the things that I want to talk about just really quick. I know we're coming to an end here is that, um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit are all those things. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, whatever, self-control. Uh, the Apostle Paul says the kingdom of God is not something that you'll be able to say, oh, there it is, or there it goes. The kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness within the Holy Spirit. Peace, joy, and righteousness within the Holy Spirit. You can't have true peace if the Holy Spirit's not in you because peace is found in the person. And so peace, joy, and righteousness, just think of it this way. Peace is... It's, it's literally speaking to the storm. It's, it's not the denial that the storm's there. It's just you, you have authority over it. You know, okay, there's a storm. My life is going chaotic. Someone's sick. You need a financial breakthrough. Whatever it is, don't deny that it's there. Don't be like, well, yep, it not has any influence. Admit that it's there, but speak to it. Speak to the issue. Jesus said, you know, if you have this faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain. And it'll be thrown into the sea, be moved. And I actually have that as my background. It's a mountain and it just says, be moved. We speak to the mountain and, and we learn to navigate. That's what Pastor Tom's been talking about. It's not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's just God giving us a grace to know how to, to maneuver through that. And so maybe you don't have peace in your life. Maybe every single time someone breaks up with you or sometimes when you, you, know, you get sick, whatever it is, um, you get a paycheck and it's just 100 bucks short. Um, you don't have peace. The storm's speaking to you. It says, you're going to go crazy, you're going to be on the streets, no one loves you, all that stuff, right? Plant a seed. How do you plant a seed? You humble yourself. You say, Father, the way that I think is not right. 
Help me to think like you. I'm planting a seed for humility, or not for humility, but for peace. God, I want peace in my life. I'm going to plant it. You want peace more than I want peace. So I come into agreement with you, Father. Help me to speak to the storm. Help me to speak to the mountain. Help me not to them to speak to me. And joy is, joy is the realization of everything around you that God is doing. It's literally just looking at people in the eyes and just being like, wow, look what God's doing. Look what God's doing in your life. It's incredible. And what happens is that you start noticing everything that God's doing. It builds up such a gratitude in your heart that that's joy. Happiness is separate. Happiness is, you know, you go to the fair, you get a free fair pass, and you get a caramel apple. That's, and, and cheese curds, that's, that's happiness, right? Yay, you know, and then someone walks by and knocks those cheese curds out of your hand, you know, or the apple falls off the stick and, and you lose your, your, your ride pass. Do you still have joy? You know? It, it's hard, it's, it, so joy is not happiness. Joy is the realization of everything that God's doing. And it's like, man, God, you're so good. Like, he doesn't need me up here. I just happen to be here and he gets to use me. You know, I just love, I love, and it's the same thing. He doesn't need me for anything, but he chooses to do life with me. And, and when, I, when I start bearing fruit, peace starts showing up in my life. I start speaking to the storm. Guess what happens? The enemy in the spiritual realm, he looks at that and he's like, he's starting to become confident of who he is. And that shames me. That shames the enemy is what I'm saying. The enemy is shamed when the sons and daughters of God are convinced that God's words hold weight, that they're true. And um, we're, we, were, we were made to bear fruit. That's what we were created for. We weren't, this is not what God said. Adam and Eve created a garden. See in a couple thousand. That's not what he did. He actually gave us incredible intrinsic value and incredible purpose. And so he wants us to bear fruit. Where are you casting your seed? You know, in a couple years from now, you're going to be a couple years older. And what seed, what fruit are you going to see pop off your tree? Sometimes when people are, uh, I was joking with a, a fellow pastor, and uh, we were just talking about, uh, the, the, we were at a, a pizza, pizza place, and there, or, the, the order wasn't coming up. It was just like, it was a, a long time, 45 minutes probably. She was just waiting in the pizza. Long story short, the, the pizza never came. So I had to go back. I'm like, hey, can, can we get that pizza? And reorder it, whatever. And so she said, yeah. And go back there. And you know, she's, a, she's a little bit frustrated. And I was just like, boop. It's like a fruit appears, you know. Patience. You know, and so that, that sound effect, hopefully it sticks with you. Boop. <laughs> just appears on your tree. So many of us want to be in charge of the harvest. We want to be the ones, uh, it was my, well, like my wife said, you know, you're sitting there and you're like this with your tree. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. Uh, and you're just like trying to, to force that fruit out. Yeah. He's the Lord of the harvest. And, uh, you know, God wants a lot of breakthrough in our lives. But more than breakthrough, he's after maturity. He's after fruit-bearing Christians. The last thing you have to do uh, is you have to endure. First thing, humility, just humble yourself. Humble yourself. Second thing, you have to remain in him. Don't make it systematic. Don't make it professional intimacy. Make it, I enjoy you for you. 
And the last thing is you have to endure. When, uh, and right now, actually, um, we have a loved one that's um, passing into eternity right now as we speak. Um, and, and it's easy to look at situations like that and be like, man, is God really good? Man, does God really want to heal people? Man, does, maybe God's mad at me. That's probably what it is. If I was, did this right, then this wouldn't have happened. Um, this call is a call to endure. It's, life is going to get hard. And for some of you right now, i got good news for you. Those of you who are in the middle of a chaos, the good news is that it's going to come to an end. And it's not that it's, it's, not that it's our enemy, but we have to make sure, correct perspective on everything. Pain is, not, pain is not our enemy. It's not that God doesn't just want to remove us immediately from pain all the time because if he, did, if he did that, we wouldn't have any refining process. It's what we're learning about in our Sunday school class, book of James. Um, Galatians 6.10, this is the last thing. It says, so then, while we, were, while we have opportunity, let's, let us do good to all people and especially those who are in the household of the faith. Just look around right now. You know, there's a lot of people in this room. Love is really messy. Biblical love is very messy. You know, we, we'll forgive each other seven times seven, or seventy times seven, but it's that seventy-first time. He should know better. So we kind of keep people. Biblical love is so messy. Endure. Keep planting seed. Keep keep sowing. Keep planting where it needs to be planted. James says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We're going to close. I just, I I pray that um, this morning you you realize that God is committed to you. He's, he's all in for you. He's all in, completely all in. <clears throat> this is, the, this is the, the point of the Christian life, is to enjoy God fully, love Him, obey Him, but to enjoy Him, enjoy Him. What's the motive of planting? Why do we want that fruit to appear? Why do we want peace and joy and kindness and goodness and all those things? Why do we want those things in our life? Is it so when someone gets mad at me and I'm, and I'm like, it's okay, here's $20, I love you. Ha ha, I just, I lo- you know, like they're gonna think I'm such a good Christian. Is it for selfish reasons? Or is it because we just wanna be made to look like our Father? We wanna bring glory to Him. I wanna step back into the destiny I was created for. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Fill the earth, subdue it. I want you to stand with me. This is supposed to be a very encouraging word to you. God is not done with you. He's committed to you. No matter what you've done, no matter if you were last night, you were doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, really dropping the ball. He's so committed to you. He's just so committed to you and he wants to see you grow. And if he's that committed to you, start planting. Remain in the vine. He wants us to enjoy him. I just want to read a post really quick from Facebook. 
very spiritual, I know. But it, it, it really is, it's the, heart of, it's the heart of our Father and the gospel message. My wife posted it yesterday. She says this. She says, I know the difference between Elijah coming to me with an agenda or coming to me just for me. Cut is no different with his children. He can be easy to go, it, it can be easy to go to God with when hardships arise in our lives, whether they be health, financial, relationship issues. But the real test of our faith comes when everything is good and we don't seem to need a thing. The real test of our faith comes when everything is good and we don't need, seem to need a thing. We may not see these moments as a test, but this can be the best way to show our true hearts when we go to him just for him and not his hand to fix our problems. See, he wants our relationships. So Father, I pray, Lord, Lord, we agree with your thoughts over us. And Lord, we, we look to your word, the big, the big God story, how overly invested you are into us incredibly committed you are to us because you're incredibly good. You have a perfect track record. You've never messed up. You've never said oops. You've never messed up, God. You're, you're, you're all in. God, I just pray that you correct the way that we think, that we reach into that bag of soil again, that we begin to believe in the harvest again, God. We don't, we don't become discouraged, but we reach in, God, we begin to cast seed where you want it to be cast. Help us to do life with you. Help us to enjoy you for you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up front. Uh, if you need to go, you're dismissed. You guys are amazing. Uh, God, we just love you guys so much. You're incredible. If you need prayer, uh, first step in planting seed is hum humility. And if you want to come up and just say, hey, there's an issue in my life, uh, I want to I want, I, want to, I want to shine light on that darkness so that I can humble myself. If that's you, we have a prayer team that would just love to agree with heaven over your life. And uh, if, if you need anything, we're here for you. Otherwise, have an awesome day. You guys are the best.